Welcome. This is jazz, just the way you like it. My name is Alfonso Severos, and this is my weekly jazz podcast recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. Jazz, just the way we like it. We play those classic jazz songs of the 1950s, the 1960s, and the 1970s, and even now and then some of the modern stuff. Play songs that I listened to as a young man, and here I am playing them for your pleasure. And also to introduce a younger generation to that fabulous, original black American art form known as jazz. I'm in the studio with my co-host, Lawrence Williams. Hey, Larry, what's up? All right, how you doing, Al? Good, good good to see you, bro. And I also have our special guest who's back with us, uh, Shante Graham. Hey, Shante. Hey, Alfonso. Hey, hey guys, how's it going? Good to be back. Good, it's good good to to have have you you back. (laughs) It's good to have you back. Wow, so we got a a full team here. So let's get things going. You know, we just finished our three-part series on jazz sax players. I hope folks enjoyed that. And that was in the month of February. And this is the month of March. And in March, as you know, is Women's Month. And we're going to do a two-part series, at least two parts, uh, on women in jazz. Women in jazz. Uh, so let's get things started As always, we begin our podcast with a song that addresses some issues of social justice. And uh, the first song we're going to play today is a song that is, uh, you may know, because it's the song that is the theme song of the recent movie called The Women's King. And The Women's King is that remarkable story of the Anjoli, the all-female unit of warriors that protect, protected the kingdom of Dahomey in the 1800s, skilled and fierce fighters. Uh, that movie, who was the, the lead actress in that? Viola Davis. Viola Davis. I, I got to see that. I'm I haven't going seen to it yet. Oh, it, was, it was good. Yeah. It was very good. I heard about yeah. it. Yeah. And so it's very based good. on fact. So this is the theme song. And it's called Keep Rising, and I think that's appropriate for this month, the month of women's history. So, enjoy. Got to understand what happens from here is in our hands. From mighty kingdoms of a distant land Turn the world upside down, yes we can We just gotta So long, how far is it to get to where we're going? 
song that's uh, the theme song to Women's King with Jesse Wilson and Angelique Kidjoy. Uh, keep rising. How'd you guys like that piece? Oh yeah, that was um, a powerful piece. I like the um, Afro beats in it and the words, which I guess is fitting for the times. <laughs> As black folks, that's all we could do, right? Yeah, rise up. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, if you get a chance to see the movie, the movie was really good. I mean, she was very powerful in that movie. Uh, I didn't realize it was uh, based on uh, actual facts. Yeah, it is. In terms of uh, uh, of a, a tribe that was led by a, a woman that was a fierce battler. She wasn't the head of the tribe. She was the general, head general. They oh, had, okay, okay. They didn't use the term general. But okay, yeah, but she, she was, was, she the, was head the head. Of, the women protected the tribe. Yeah. So it was, just a, it was a, a, a group in which, you know, women had a predominant role as the fighters. Yeah. They trained as the fighters. You know, we've seen that in a few different cultures. But, uh, uh, and it was in a, in a, not only among the, uh, and and Goji people, but under other African groups. What part of Africa was there in Goji? West Africa. Okay. Angola's in West Africa. Sub-Sahara, West Africa. Okay. Also, yeah. there's a, I don't know if anyone's read the book Barracoon yet by Zora Neale Hurston. That's an old book, yeah. Yeah, she, um, she the, the man that she um, interviewed was, was the, the last slave. The last slave the that slave came ship. in from that yeah. kidnapped group of slaves on the Clotilda, he referenced yeah. the Dahomey in his memories of where he was captured. Yeah, so that's he was a, from Angola, it's too. It's an amazing book that I think everybody should read, yeah. and it's in his dialect. Okay. She didn't want to change his dialect, but nobody wanted to publish it. Right, right. The book was just published, what, 2018, 2019? I'm not sure when it was published, but it's it's been out there. Right. Her, her writings have been out. I read her, her work in the, in the 70s, yeah, 60s. Yeah. Her documentary is really good, too. It's on PBS. Yeah. Okay. But it, it links the, the, the homie. It does. To, yeah. Um, yeah. To the, that, that last was that slave, slave ship. Yeah. Clotilda. 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 That was in Alabama. We talked about that, I think, last week or the week after, the week before that. The last slave ship. 
Okay. Uh, 1865. Yeah. Smuggled out when it was illegal to yeah. bring yeah, slaves in. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting because, you know, it, it's this, this movie is one of the few uh, accurate descriptions of parts of African history. And we've got to remember that African history is very diverse. You talk about what is called today, Africa is 54 countries, over 2,000 dialects. But, uh, and it goes from Morocco uh, uh, Tunisia up north all the way to South Africa in the south. So there's a diversity of people uh, in cultures and ways, religion and beliefs. Yeah, uh, and that one more thing, Alfonso, that's why I think it's important to read that book, Barracoon, because you hear this is a, a black man, African man, telling yeah. about his capture. Yeah. Well, you know, you... you that's important, and you also have the slave narratives. Mm -hmm. Read the slave narratives that in the 1930s under the Franklin Roosevelt New Deal, they hired people, you know, to get the country going, and they hired writers and journalists. And so they had them do all these different kind of things. And one of the things was to interview all the people who was alive that were in slavery. Right. And slave narratives is is in their own words mm -hmm. telling the story yeah, of slavery. Yeah, I read some of the slave narratives. Yeah, so but but his narrative is, is pre his capture. Exactly, it's the only one. So most narratives are when they were they were born into slavery. Right. He remembers being taken. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow. That's well, you know that whole town is called Africa Town. Africa Town is all the descendants of the people. Yeah, Afri it's in Africa Town. Yeah. yeah. All the descendants of the people from, uh, uh, and the thing, the sad thing about it is, Africa Town is being brought out and is dying out. Okay. Yeah. Talking about Black history, I just got to mention this because this pissed me off immensely. Uh, on CBS Paramount, I guess they thought they were doing their due for Black History Month, and they were talking about blacks in the military, you know, and they started. To, to tell this narrative about how, you know, blacks fought in the American Revolution and Christmas addicts and all that kind of stuff. And that, that was true. You know, we had about uh, 9,000 blacks who fought in the American Revolution on the side of George Washington. And of that, 5,000 was probably in roughly 5,000 in combat, 4,000 in non-combat. But that's not the whole story. The whole story is that 20,000 ex-enslaved people fought for the British. Right. I read that. And, and that's because, you know, they offered freedom. Freedom. And if you're going to tell the story of the American, if you were a slave, man, who are you going to uh, fight for? Somebody talking about liberty or somebody say you're going to be free? You know, you uh, the majority, three quarters of those who fought, fought for the British. Yeah. And here's the sad thing. When the British surrendered and they were allowed to take their troops from Yorktown back to England, uh, there were 10,000 black soldiers approximately. And they were not treated as prisoners of war. 
George Washington gave the order to put them back in slavery. Mm. And they went back into slavery. And so Wait, wait, wait. After they fought in yeah, the war? Yes. I didn't know that. But yes. they fought they fought on the side of the British, that's why. Yeah. No. He didn't free the slaves who fought on the side of the Americans. Oh, he didn't free them. No, heck no. No. Oh, wow. No. And, and you had I saw I think on a PBS program they wow. had they I, were showing this black man who was like a double spy. He was a spy for the British and the the U.S. He was an integral part of one of their yeah. winnings of of one of their battles, but of course I, I didn't learn that in in public school. Right, no, right. I did not. <laughs> or yeah. junior high school or college for that yeah. matter. Yeah. I, I learned nothing in Black history throughout my my total education. So that pissed me off. And then they threw the icing on the cake. They talked. They had the audacity to talk about black soldiers in World War One. You know, black soldiers in World War One, and I can trace my grandparents' relatives uh, who were, because of Amnesty.com, I can see their draft papers mm-hmm, and all that mm-hmm. crap that they were in there. You know, uh, the famous Harlem Hellfighters, 369th Division, yeah. mm-hmm. weren't allowed to fight. Blacks were not allowed to fight in combat in yeah. World War One. So the only reason why they were able to fight is that the African-American soldier had to fight under the French mm. flag. So they, fr- they fought under France. And they got the name, not under the United States. And they got the name Hellfighter because the Germans gave them that name because they didn't lose one inch of territory. The only group that lost no territory during the entire conflict. So what were these American soldiers? They were African American soldiers. They, they fought on the side of America, and then they went into no, it? no. America wouldn't allow them to fight. They were they were already drafted. They, they were already them. there. Uh-huh. They they already signed up. They weren't drafted. They enlisted to to, and some were drafted, but they couldn't fight. Ameri- they wouldn't give black American guns to sh- to fight, so they had to. You know, they decided let them go. go let them go fight for the French. Okay. Yeah, so they fought with the French against the Germans in World War One, and so when they talked about that on, on on CBS, you know, they left that very important fact out. That yeah, we fought in World War One, but because of the racist policies of mm-hmm. this country, we had to fight under the French flag. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's called erasure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what they're doing. Yeah. So I, I just got, you know, it's nice that PBS, I mean, CBS was going to do something, but uh, get, 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 get the information. Don't tell part of the story. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Tell yeah. the whole story. Yeah. Well, folks, that my, that's my complaining for the, for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> let's move. This is March, and this is Black History Month, and we are going to uh, uh, dedicate this show to women in jazz. And women has been a part of jazz from way back. And I want to start it off by playing a piece from a good friend of mine who in the 80s, we used to go to all these jazz clubs in Brooklyn, all these little small places. And she's a fabulous sax player, well-known, uh, lived in Brooklyn, but from Delaware, Wilmington, Delaware. And uh, she has, her style of jazz was very progressive and it's moved more now towards smooth jazz and she's up there in the charts of smooth jazz. Faustina Dixon. Uh, And here's a piece that she did 
in 2021 called Get On the Floor, my good friend Faustina. Sit back and enjoy.
Are you an up-and-coming jazz artist? Gain a new fan with Jazz Discover. That's for Stina Dixon on a piece called Get On The Floor. How'd you guys like that? That was beautiful, man. That was beautiful. I love that. Yeah, I like that. Really upbeat. Yep, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you could dance to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess the title to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's still out there playing, you know. Uh, well, she's back in Wilmington, but she spent years in, in Brooklyn. Uh, did, did, uh, was she around when we were going to? No, uh, no, 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 no. Just later on. Yeah. Uh, but but she played Jazzmobile and all the Brooklyn oh, she venues. Was, oh, she was in Jazzmobile. Yeah, she, she played all the Brooklyn venues. Oh wow! And it used to be about, I don't know, six or seven small Brooklyn jazz clubs, uh, old bars like the one on Utica and Atlantic, and I heard they recently closed. That always had jazz. Play. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember and that it place. Was a, yeah. quite a few places that um, I didn't really find out about these places until uh, late 70s, early 80s, around that time, I believe. I may be off for a few decades or two, who knows. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad you enjoyed that. And we usually don't play too much smooth jazz, but I had to play my Faustina Dixon because, you know... Uh, Talking about women in jazz. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Well, folks, let's keep moving. Uh, here's a piece. You know the song. It's called Four Women, made popular by Nina Simone. But this is not done by Nina Simone. This is done by <laughs> Angelique Kinjoy, Reeves White, Reeves, Liz White, Diana Reeves, and Lisa Simone. And Lisa Simone is the daughter of... Uh, Nina Simone, and uh, they have their version of four women. So uh, sit back and enjoy. Enough to take the pain 
is brown My manner is tough Liz uh, Simone, Diane Reeves, Liz Wright, and Angelique Kimjoy. How you guys like that piece? That was really, really good. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that uh, uh, Nina's daughter sung as well. And uh, wow, she was the, the last one who sang. That she was the last one. I thought yeah. she was the third one. No, no, not the last one. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but I, but the the, the piece itself was like. Um, you know, the different textures of the music in terms of like soft to, to rough to hard. That's what I, I like. I like the, the, um, the variety and the, and the way that they blended it. You know, it really came out well. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful piece. Yeah. How you like it, Chantel? Yeah, I, I love that piece, um, especially the, the words. And mm. like when they're singing, like some people are visual. You can just visualize the words that are coming out, yeah, and that's what I was thinking. And I'm as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, okay, I would like to use that in something. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a it, it's a powerful piece. I didn't know that Nina Nina Simone's daughter sung either. Yeah, well, she's on this version of it. Uh, it's like we all know somebody who is one of those types of women. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, is that that's not all black women. Right. That's just four stereotypes of black women. Right. You know, uh, but it's, it's not the image of all black women, at least in my thinking. Uh, that was uh, for women, Lisa Simone, I mean, uh, Nina Simone's piece. All right, folks. Uh, this is uh, Women in Jazz, and let's keep moving. Uh, you know this next lady. And I know, Shantae, I know you know her because you like her. Uh, Alice Alice Coltrane. Coltrane. (laughs) (laughs) Alice Coltrane. And so, you know, we're going to play a little short piece by her called Atomic Peace. Not ordinary peace, folks, but Atomic Peace. And that has Jimmy Alice Coltrane on harp, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Rashid Ali on drums. So sit back, folks, and enjoy with this. Let's 
Wow. That's uh, Alice Coltrane, Atomic Peace with Alice Coltrane on harp, uh, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Rashid Ali on drums. You, what I like about this piece, you can really hear and appreciate the magnificent skill of Alice Coltrane on that harp. Yeah. She really plays it. And plus, you have the additional benefits of a little solo by uh, Jimmy Garrison. Yeah, that was beautiful. I, 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 I was thinking that um, uh, I, I've I've never seen that album. I, I I wasn't aware that I don't know when she made that one, but for her to get on an that album was done in 1968. Oh man, wow! I was there. <laughs> I wasn't aware. Uh, that's really great. I mean, just, and that's a trio, you know, and it's a beautiful piece. A beautiful piece. Yeah, she did a lot of stuff with Farrell. This is without Farrell. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I'm sorry, it's like with, with Rashi Ali on drums and, and Jimmy Garrison on, on the bass. It's like, it's fantastic what, the way that they, they, they put that together. I really loved it. Cool. Any comments? Um, well, yeah, I definitely love Alice Coltrane. The harps, it's like through the whole piece, that's what speaks to me is that mm -hmm. harp playing. And to me, it just puts you in like a a magical state because just to, I've seen her play and just to sit there and watch what she's doing with her hands playing that harp is, is phenomenal. I mean, who who can match that? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anybody. Yeah, and it's so clear, and she plays these high notes, man. It's really, really a good piece, atomic piece, it's called. <clears throat> okay, folks, uh, before we move on, we had a little situation with a comedian, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart is, was, is in the process of doing a tour, and he, he went to uh, South Africa and got great reception. He went to Saudi Arabia, of all places, and got, you know, great reception. People really enjoyed his show. Then he made a comment about blacks in Egypt and Egyptian history. And he was scheduled to do a show in Cairo, Egypt. They canceled it all because of those comments. Uh, and to the effect that he was saying, you know, we, we, we need to recognize more that the ancient Egyptians were black. Uh, the current Egyptians got very upset with that. Uh, they described themselves as Arabs and not necessarily black. Uh, and they raised hell, and he had to cancel the show. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> well, I, I know like when uh, Anwar, what's his name? An I think it was Anwar. He was the president of Egypt at one time, and he, would, he had black features. Who's uh, Sadat, Anwar Sadat? No no no, 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 no. This is uh, in the sixties. In the sixties, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget his uh, uh, total name, but he was assassinated, um, mm. and he he was he had black features. He black um, his hair, the texture of his hair, the color of his skin. Olive uh, brown. Yeah. Well, m most North Africans have olive brown skin. North Africans, Tunisian, right. Moroccans. Right, but it. I mean, it's to me, it was very similar to a light-skinned black mm -hmm. to me. I mean, in terms of the uh, the color, uh, uh, he was definitely distinctly different from a typical Egyptian because of the texture of his hair. I think probably made it stand out a little bit more. And 
his complexion was a little bit more darker. But um, <clears throat> um, but he he was he was the president of the country at that time. But uh, they assassinated him. I forgot what because the reason. Because he, he did the accord with Egypt. Oh, he did the, the accord with yeah. uh, with uh, Israel, 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 Israel. 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 Yeah. yeah, that was uh, the reason. Yeah, it was major stuff with that. Yeah, yeah. I know you have something to say, Chantal. Oh, uh, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> and just so happened, I didn't hear about this until Alfonso brought it up. But I was been doing a lot of um studying lately on you know egypt which is originally called kemet um and i don't see anything wrong with what kevin hart said i read some of the article while we were sitting here and the egyptians are calling it blackwashing yes yes yeah. so that sounds to me rather ridiculous when if you went if you go back to ancient culture 3,000, 4,000 B.C., it's plain and clear that they were black. That, that, to me, should not even be a a debate in 2023. You look on the walls, you see black skin. What is that? So there, there's been so many books written where they try to wash us out, wipe us out of the history because they don't want you to know that you came from a great ancient civilization, one of the first, you know, civilizations that... All the things that we do now, we can trace back to the ancient um, Africans of that land. And, and the Arabs didn't come about until thousands of years later. So I don't, why? And for them to cancel him, it's like now you're, to me, it's like you're forcing people now to go and dig up the truth. Because you he's saying the truth that you don't want to hear, so you cancel him. And that's what we do in this current um, culture. They call it the cancel culture. So to me, it should make people want to really go look and search out our history. And it's just another, another way to get out there and learn your, your roots. I hear you. You know, I, I think one of the things people got to understand is that when you, when, when you look at current Egypt and what is defined as current Egypt, that those boundaries were drawn in 1939 by the British because that was the British colony. And in fact, what is Britain and, and Sudan, how they were separated, was done by the British uh, when they ruled, because both was colonies under the British Empire. That is, you know, but if you go back, like uh, Shante said, uh, uh, Egypt, the Egyptian civilization is well over 3,000 years old. And uh, we, we are looking at it from an American perspective Lens. of race. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I, I've been to North Africa, and I've been in at least, I was in two countries in North Africa. And they, they look at this stuff completely different. They don't necessarily, you know, uh, use that as, as we use it. That's one thing. Uh, second thing is that over time, the boundaries of what was Egypt changed immensely. Early Egypt, which is which was part of what is called Upper Egypt, was is now Sudan. But in the early days, that was Egypt, and most of your dark-skinned pharaohs ruled for what was called Kush. Kush, right? But that was and Sudan. Ethiopia. But that's mm -hmm. today. That's not part of Egypt, right? Today, that's I mean, that's not part of it's that's that's today classified as Sudan. So the Egyptian people themselves uh, get, get the history 
uh, confused that these boundaries changed over time. Uh, and it fluxed quite a bit. This is a 3,000-plus-year civilization. We're only like 280 years. Yeah, if, if so that. So it varied <laughs> greatly. And uh, you had a diversity of mixture of people. It just wasn't one. And most of your pyramids, believe it or not, were in uh, southern Egypt in Sudan. In the Sudan, there was over yeah. two hundred, well, over two hundred to three hundred yeah. pyramids that were yeah. destroyed. 180, 180 was in Sudan. Yeah, they they were destroyed over the yeah. years. But um, these these were, and then the lower Egypt, which is the upper part, uh, which is the, what the northern part of Egypt. Yeah, yeah. Oh. When they came, became the center because the capital of Egypt varied from pharaoh to pharaoh. They moved it. Uh, when they became, and that had a much more lighter population, and that was closer to the age of the Greeks and the Romans. But prior to that, it was right, and the Greeks and the Romans didn't come until way, way later. The in, Greeks, in I think, came into came three thirty two, and the Romans came after that. But we're talking about Egypt or Kemet as far as five, three to five no, thousand yeah, years. There was it wasn't even called Egypt. Exactly, it was so always Kemet. It was Cush. Yeah. You right, Cush was up top, and yeah. well, from the bottom you or can. whatever. So using these definitions, of and the boundaries were different. Uh, it wasn't separated the way it's separated today, is my point. We're using these modern terms and modern ideas. Sometimes it just doesn't fit with ancient civilizations. So is Cush spelled with a K? Or is yeah, K. K, mm -hmm. K. And for some reason, people want to take Egypt out of Africa. Egypt is still in Africa. So even if you want to go back thousands of years and yeah. look at a map before these lines were drawn, because we didn't draw these lines. Yeah. <laughs> Egypt, but, I mean, Africa was cut up in millions of pieces yeah. during the Berlin Conference. But if you want to go before that, there were no, where, where were these lines? What we call now, exactly. it's not what it was called that, back then. That's what I'm, that's my point. Yeah. But, but just like I said, go to the hieroglyphs. <laughs> go to the walls. You're gonna see black skin like my shirt. What what could we be? Yeah, yeah. There's no denying that. And I think to me that was that. My opinion is that that was I guess one of That's the reasons on, they wanted to leave you, you that. Would, you would see that in in the the old pyramids, the pyramids in the Sudan, and but you, as it, you go further north, you see less and less of that. But still there. But the presence is less and less. And, you, be, you know, people got a much more olive skin, olive brown. And south, they were much more darker skin. You look at Sudan, the difference between, the, you know, Sudan and, and other parts of uh, uh, in Ethiopia, parts of northern Africa, man, the complexion difference is, is pretty big. Yeah. Is uh, a Sudan below e uh, Ethiopia? Or no, is it it's next to it. Oh. So it's like, well, okay, I got it. Yeah, e Ethiopia. They, that was the name for it. Was called burnt faces. That was what they referred to as Ethiopia, the land of the burnt faces. Kemet, mm -hmm. the land of the blacks, black faces. That so you can't deny the history, and I I'm just so shocked that his show was canceled because of of a, something that's true. Well, they well, they define themselves as as Arabs. Yeah. And not necessarily as blacks. Yeah. Uh, and but his comment was just saying 
recognize the history. They don't. But, 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 that's but not that's, to me. That's but, not blackwashing. Well, they, not, we don't recognize the history here. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's not unusual. I, I, you, 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 the way I think of it, an Egyptian is brought up to thought to think of himself as an Arab, and with Arab complexion, he's an Arab. He lives in the continent of Africa, but he's an Arab. Right. Yeah. So you can't tell him that he came from black people because right. I'm an Arab. Well, maybe, right, maybe he didn't, but the land that he's in originated. <laughs> I want you to know that I'm an Arab and the land that I live in is an Arabic land. It is not an African land. Yeah, they make that's 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 what that whole Modern day, is. modern day. Yeah. I, I don't think those distinctions exist in the past. Right. I mean, way back. But modern day, they're clear dis- distinctions. And you can see it the way the Africans who immigrate from sub-Sahara to uh, northern Africa countries, the way they're treated in Liberia, in Tunisia, uh, and outcasts in Morocco, and e- even in Egypt, they're treated like crap. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah because the darker the skin, the worse the yeah. treatment. But that's yeah. the influence of... Uh, European, European and American and the British. ideology. Yeah, that wasn't that. Yeah. That's historically so. You know, uh, it just wasn't historically. I'm so. reading this book now, which is really good. Cast. Yeah, which is talks about the um the caste system, and it's now on the banned list. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You think we had, uh, ours were bad. India right. was insane, man. Put in by the British. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, okay, folks. Well, you know, we got to keep the show moving on some jazz and women in jazz. And we're going to talk about two women figures, man, who sort of forgotten. But they were, like, very important in the history of, of women in jazz. And this next artist, most people don't know her, Rosetta Tropp. Trait, T-H-A-R-P-E, called the godmother of rock and roll. She was, she invented electric guitar in pop gospel. She played gospel, blues, rock, and jazz in the early 60s. I mean, in the, from the early 30s through the early 60s. She was on British TV in the early 60s and influenced all those British rock groups. Rosetta. And they used to call her Sister Rosetta. So here's a piece on some of the solos. And you're going to see how she influenced Chuck Berry. And Chuck Berry even said that it was her who influenced her and Jimi Hendrix. And some of the jazz guitarists. Rosetta Trot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Rosetta Trapp, born in 1915, died in 1973, known as the grandmother of rock and roll. She influenced both jazz, rock and roll. She popularized the uh, electric guitar. 1960, she was on television in, the, in Brit Britain. Uh, 
and you know they copied her style. She's not given much credit, but she was one of the first out there with a uh, electric uh, guitar, and these this was clips of her playing, and you hear these rhythms that's used in all the rock and roll, and in all some even some of the jazz and blues pieces. She was doing this in the 1930s, before there was even such a thing called rock and roll. Uh, Rosetta, Sister Rosetta. Hey, Shante, what do you think of her? Yeah, as I'm watching her playing that guitar, I'm thinking about Elvis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, like you said, she was definitely copied. What would be, I guess, modern rock and roll, that was her. Yeah. Chuck Berry said that's who influenced her. I never heard of her. I know. Jimmy, Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. No, you're not going to hear of her. She was a black woman. Yeah. No. But she was, they said that she played that electric, they, they, nobody was playing electric guitar until she wow. picked it up uh, and, and mastered it. Yeah, that's a, a great uh, artist for Women's, Women's Month. Yeah, that's uh, Sister Rosetta. That's one of the forgotten figures yeah. in, in jazz and I have in to music. look for her stuff. Yeah. The second forgotten figure who was probably doing the 1940s, one of the most and 30s popular, popular musician who can write what she wanted, uh, play what she wanted, was Hazel Scott. Now, some people heard of Hazel Scott because she was married to Adam Clayton Powell. Uh, but before she was married to Adam Clayton Powell, she was a whiz, a child prodigy, born in Trinidad. You know, migrated to the United States with her mother at f around five years old. Uh, Hazel Scott. Uh, there's a documentary on YouTube about her. I think people should look at her. You know, Hazel was outspoken and did not take a lot of crap. Demanded that she wouldn't play for segregated audiences would not play certain roles in mo movies, would not play a maid or none of that. And she got her wish. She was so popular. This is pre-Frank Sinatra stuff. Uh, that, that she wielded a lot of power. And she spoke out about the injustices, uh, the conditions of blacks, and in doing the McCarthy era when they had the communists witch hunts. She went before the committee and spoke out and said some stuff that folks didn't like and she was blacklisted. Wow. And so people then didn't uh, she had to go to Europe to make a living. She was very popular in Europe but blacklisted in the United States. She is unbelievable masterful musician. And here's a piece with Hazel Scott where she plays two pianos at once. Here's Hazel Scott, folks. So sit back and enjoy this piece. It's called Black Keys and White Keys. Just a minute. Who do you want to see? I'm Hazel Scott. We're here for the audition. Oh, Miss Scott. Yes, they're waiting for you. Go right in. That's from the movie. Good evening. <laughs> Hello, Hazel. Glad to see you. How's the piano, Hazel? 
guess it'll hold up. That's really her. When the black keys meet the white keys on Piano Avenue, do their music, they do. They swing it in G corner of keyboard street. The black and the whites do it all right, all when the ivories and the jivories keep that boogie bar awake, make the music they make. Like pepper and salt, chocolate and malt, there's the black and the white do it all right, all rude. Oh, Mary Jane, get off the beat, did that refrain, it's sweeter than In that burial house parade, hey, is it music? It's played. I'm telling you, Jack, stick to the black and white. Jesus Scott, a fantastic prodigy, fantastic. She married Clayton Powell, and the way Beyonce and her husband is recognized as the couple of the century, doing the 50s and the 40s, they were the couple of the century. But what a masterful musician. How you like her? Oh, that was amazing. I've never seen anyone play two pianos at the same time. Yeah. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. There, there should be in school something just for black um, artists, like a course. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's so important, especially how you say how she fought for civil rights. Yeah. She wouldn't play maids. This yeah. is black history. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a shame that you have to learn it, you know, as such an old, you know. Yeah. So, you know. Because if you don't know, you can't teach your children. I know, I know. And she's a, the second forgotten figure. The first one was Rosetta Trait, and now Hazel Scott. We don't, we don't talk about them. We don't include them as images in Black History right. Month and things of this nature. And these were trailblazers. Especially in the culture today, I don't think I've ever seen anybody play two 
pianos at the same time. No. In in this culture no. of music today. Yeah. Can we talk about the electric guitar, man? We need to give credit to that yeah. lady who uh popularized it. And Hazel Scott, man, she was whoa, just a a, a genius on there. She was in the same kind of, you know, category as as your great European musicians. Uh Two forgotten figures, folks, but we're 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 playing them here uh, in honor of Black History Month. Uh, all right, let's keep moving. Well, you know, you can't you can't talk about women in jazz without talking about Billie Holiday, and I'm not gonna do the Forbidden Fruit song. I'm gonna do one of her other pieces that was done in 1957. This is Billie Holiday. Embraceable you. So sit back and enjoy this sweet melody. Embrace me, my sweet embrace. Embrace me, my irreplaceable you. Just to look at you, my heart grows tipsy in me. You and you alone Bring out the gypsy in me I love all the many charms about you I want my arms about you Don't be a naughty baby Come to me Come to me do Thank you. 
1957 recording, Embraceable You. Billy Holiday on vocal, Ben Webster on tenor sax, Barry Kensel on drums, on, on uh, guitar, rather, excuse me, and Harry Edison on trumpet, Jimmy Rowling on piano, Red Mitchell on bass, and Larry Bunker on the drums. How do you like Embraceable You? Oh, I loved it. I love Billie Holiday. I could listen to her all day. I know. She that has. That voice. Yeah, that's it. That voice is special. <laughs> and it's hypnotizing. Lull you to sleep. I love yeah. her. Wow. Well, folks, that was our first episode 
of uh, of uh, women in jazz. I I hoped you enjoyed it. You know we uh, we will do the next episode starting next month. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to us today. We had fun doing this. Shante, thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so glad I made it. This this was a great show, especially to kick off uh, Women's History Month. And you really brought out some heavy hitters today. Yeah, thank you. And I hope people go and, and seek them out and share their music because that's how, you know, yeah. the younger generation will know who these people are and can give them their proper due. Yeah. You either share history or you lose it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, folks, I thank you for listening. And as always, peace and love. Bright as stars that shine up above you in the clear blue skies. How I worry about you, just can't live my life without you, baby. Come here, don't have no fear. Oh, is there a wonder why? I'm really feeling in the mood for love So tell me why Start to think About this weather, my dear This little dream might fade away There I go talking out of my head again Oh baby, won't you come and put our two hearts together That would make me strong and breathe are one I'm not afraid I'm not afraid if there's a cloud up above us go on and let it rain I'm sure our love together will endure a hurricane oh my baby won't you please let me love you and give me relief from this awful misery understand me now baby please pull yourself together do it soon my soul's on fire come on and take me i'll be what you make me my darling my dear oh baby you make me feel so good let me take you by the hand come let us visit out there Maybe there we can find a good place to use a loving state of mind I'm so tired of being without and never knowing what love's about James Woody, you can come on in, man, and you can blow now if you want to We're through